0: Well, as we continue this sermon series, um, Walking in the Light of Christ, we are continue our reading through the book of Ephesians from chapter 5.
1: Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because there are these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man, such a man as an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning, everyone.
0: You know, you never know how much you rub off on other people. Uh some of you may know I'm the oldest of seven children in our family, six boys, and uh, when we get together, we tell stories, and uh, uh, you know, being the oldest, uh, at least four or five of the kids in my family tended to do what I did, okay? and uh, I can't be responsible for all their issues, but uh, some of the little things uh, that we, last time we were together, we talked about how uh, my best friend, his name was Alan, and he was a dairy farmer. And I used to go visit him on his, fa- on his farm, and he taught me how to uh, extricate the saliva from the lower regions of my throat and expel the remains on the ground, okay? You know what I mean. Uh, now, I didn't think it was a big deal. But uh, I came home and I started doing it. Then four of my brothers started doing the same thing, okay? That's when my mother called us together and said, what is going on? Where in the world did you learn how to do that? And all four of them pointed to me and said, Luther taught us how to do that, okay? Well, today we find out that we are not to imitate necessarily those who are around us, but we are to be imitators of God. Our key passage, look at this, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. And so to live a life of love is to imitate Jesus. Because He's the one who, it says, gave His life as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. His love becomes our love, and that's the, kind of the foundation then of how we live our lives. And it all goes back to the fact that we are children of the light. Verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Once you were in darkness, but now you are the light. You are light in the Lord, so live as children of the light. So living as children of the light is the same as imitating Jesus, and that's our calling as God's people. Now the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Christians in a city called Ephesus. Uh, I've been there at some of the most glorious ruins of the ancient world, and Ephesus was one of the leading cities in the Roman Empire. It was it was on the trade route between Asia and Europe, right on the Mediterranean Sea, and so. These people were exposed, not just to the light of Christ, but the Christians there were constantly being exposed to darkness, spheres of darkness. And by spheres of darkness, we're talking about sinful ways, ways that are contrary to God's way and contrary to God's Word. Listen to some of the stuff that the Christians in Ephesus faced. Verse 3, But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And he says, For this you can be sure of no immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. And so, the people, the Christians in Ephesus, were facing these fears of darkness. It was over 2000, almost 2,000 years ago, and guess what? These same spheres of darkness are alive and well in our culture today. Let's just look at three of them. First of all, the first sphere of darkness is brokenness in the sexual realm. Again, Paul writes, but among you there must not even be a hint... Of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Friends, there are many, many sexually broken people today in our society. And we shouldn't be surprised at all this woundedness, this brokenness, because this issue of sexual darkness now permeates our culture. It's no wonder it seems more and more that we are living just like the ancients in these cities like Ephesus and Corinth and Rome, where every kind of sexual indecency and brokenness known to mankind was happening. You know what I mean. If you own a computer, if you watch TV, if you read today's literature or books, if you go to the most popular movies, you are regularly exposed to this, what I call sexual brokenness. It just comes to you. I'm amazed. I can be typing, I can be writing a sermon, and all of a sudden I get a pop-up or something that comes across the internet. It's not that you have to even go chasing for this impurity. It just comes to you. It's no wonder that sexual brokenness, defined as sex outside the bond and commitment of marriage, things in the past that weren't even spoken about, are now all out in the open for all to see and experience. And as a Christian, it's become more and more difficult to counter that, to say anything, because we come across as being very judgmental, very harsh and unloving. In fact, if you disagree and stand up for biblical principles, now you are the one who's the problem in our society. Last week, I learned that Christians who hold to a biblical worldview are now labeled in some circles, as those with intolerant personality disorder. Can you believe that? And yet the result is broken lives. Professional people, teachers, coaches, pastors, husbands, wives, college students, high school kids, people are falling into sexual sin and immorality. And as a result, there is this woundedness, there is this brokenness that is pervading our society. And so what are we to do? We speak the truth, as the Bible says, we hold to the principles that are set forth in God's Word, and yet we imitate Jesus. He rubs off on us with His love. So that the mission of the church is not necessarily to wag our fingers at those who have fallen into sexual brokenness. We don't walk around in self-righteousness as, to, as if to say, hey, there's nothing wrong with me, but look at you. No, instead, I long for the day where we see the, the light of Christ shining so that the church, while holding on the truth of God, will be known as a place of healing. A place of restoration. When the darkness and the shame of sexual brokenness is exposed to Jesus and the truth of His Word, what happens? Grace happens. And people see the love of God in Jesus Christ because there is hope and there is light at the cross where Jesus and His healing grace is extended to every person. Now, hear me carefully on this. We don't embrace the malady We don't embrace the sin, but we do, on the other hand, celebrate the cure, and the cure is found in Jesus Christ. Friends, let it start with you and me. For those who have struggled with sexual brokenness, you are not alone, I can tell you, in the church of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we see churches that that stand up and speak against people who are struggling with these issues. And what happens is it only pushes people further into secrecy and shame and guilt and darkness. The Bible here says, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so live as children of the light. Let this be a place, let this be a church where The love of Jesus Christ is brought to people who are broken, who are hurting, realizing that every single one of us is on a journey of restoration and healing under the cross of Christ. Children of the light are invited to come to Jesus for rest and peace, and by His grace we find healing at the cross. We are transformed then by Jesus Christ and His light to do better, to follow Him, to follow the principles, the truth that we know of Scripture. And so together, we imitate Jesus and we stand in His light and we stand against the stronghold of darkness of sexual sin. Secondly, the second darkness that is exposed here is that of greed. Ephesus was one of the most wealthy cities in the Roman Empire, a major, again, trading cross point between Europe and Asia. And evidently, there economic well-being caused them not only to enjoy that which they were blessed with, but they earnestly desired more and more and more. That's called greed. Webster defines greed as a selfish and rapturous desire for more. Now, I know, I realize that we don't have this problem today in our society. The fact is, people come from all over the United States to live in this northern part of Indianapolis because of our, the vibrancy of our economy. In fact, here in, in Hamilton County, family incomes are double of that of most counties in our state and even in the Midwest. We are blessed people. We earn, we accumulate, we buy, we shop, we expect the best. And yet, when does anyone ever say, thank you, Lord, now that you've given me so much, I can use that to bless other people? No, because we're always wanting more. We're never content. In this realm of darkness, not only do we hold too tightly to what we have, but we're always, again, thinking about, praying for, hoping for more. That's the American way of life. (laughs) And while the Bible says that it's all a gift from God, somehow we view our money and our possessions and our vacations and our jobs and everything else as mine. It's mine. And that's why, quite frankly, we have such a hard time of being like Jesus, who loved us so much that He gave, He gave, and He gave His life. Paul warned the Ephesians about their greed. Such a person, in fact, here is described as an idolater. You know what an idolater is? Instead of God being number one, tops in our lives, what becomes most important to us is that which we strive for, that which we yearn for, that which we think about and talk about and hope for and desire, and our money and that which money can buy becomes our God, Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Now, what's the antidote for this? The antidote for holding on so tightly to money and the things that money can buy is generosity, it's giving. And, friends, I am so thankful to see how the Spirit of God has helped so many in this church break out of this fear of the darkness of greed. More and more disciples are becoming imitators of Christ instead of living a self-centered life with the main purpose to just accumulate more and more. God is moving many people to a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. More and more people are stepping up and serving and giving of their time. Yes, of their resources, of the abilities, the talents that God has given them to help other people. We are breaking out of this stronghold of greed with its main goal of just grabbing more in life. And so together we imitate Jesus, we live in His light, and we stand against the stronghold of greed. The third stronghold of darkness that we see here is that of obscenity and foolish talk. Listen to the words again. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of greed, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are completely out of place. Now, I've seen such a shift in our culture in my lifetime when it comes to the use of vulgarity, obscenity, of foolish talk, of using the Lord's name in vain. In many cases, language is no longer censured, You know, I I enjoy reading. I enjoy reading current uh, biographies, current novels, the bestseller list, but I have to tell you there are times when I am appalled by some of the language, often crude and vulgar and using the Lord's name in vain. If you are a parent or a grandparent, it is so difficult to know what movies to bring your kids to because... Almost all of them now have foolish talk and coarse joking, improper speech that either uses the Lord's name in vain or has sexual overtones and obscenity. Children are being exposed at a younger and younger age, and so this kind of lewd and vulgar language has become part of normal life. But, friends, this kind of obscene and foolish talk is darkness, the Bible says. And it should not be part of us as children of the light. And so I say to you, if this kind of language has crept into your vocabulary, if it's part of the way that you talk, maybe in your home, or at work, or with your friends, or at school, let the light of Jesus shine into that. Consider the impact of what that does not only to you and your relationship with God, but also how, the, how others see Jesus in you. And instead of coarse joking or obscenity or foolish talk, here in our passage, under the Holy Spirit, Paul says we are to speak words of thanksgiving. Now, what are words of thanksgiving? These are positive, hopeful words that instead of complaining or criticizing or condemning, these are words that bring, bring glory to God. Words that build up, words that point to the blessings that you have received from God. For you are light in the Lord. And so, friends, as we face these strongholds of darkness, it's easy to think about other people. Yeah, he or she has a real problem, but I want us to do an inventory of our own hearts ask that important question, am I living as a child of the light? Am I imitating Jesus Christ to live in His love? Is He rubbing off on me, or am I just living for myself? The answer to that question rests with our identity. It goes back to who we are. Listen to these first words again in chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly, loved children. That's who we are. Conventional wisdom says that if I want to imitate Jesus, if I want to stay away from sexual immorality or greed or lewd and lascivious language, if I want to stay away from that as a child of the light, then I need to try harder. I need to work at it harder. If I'm falling short, there must be a lack of effort somewhere in my life and in my personality. But let me pose a question. Could a lack of love, could our tendency to be drawn into darkness imply something else? Could it be that we're trying to imitate Christ and live in His life with power that we simply don't have? Verse 8 reminds us that in the past you were once in darkness. That's life without Jesus. That's life without the power of the Holy Spirit given to you at your baptism. But Paul says, but now you are light in the Lord. And it's the light of Jesus that causes us to be children of God. It fills us as His light controls us. Things happen, things change in our lives. In fact, verse 13 says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And again in 14, for it is the light that makes everything visible. You see, as the light of Jesus and His Word shines into our hearts and our lives. It becomes like a surgical laser. It zaps out the oldness of darkness and sin, and it replaces it with the love of Jesus, the love that He so clearly demonstrated when He died for you and me on the cross, and He rose again. That's why we live in the light, and it's the light then of Jesus Christ that enables us to imitate Him, to turn from these areas of darkness that we talked about today and then to follow Jesus and to live as His child. Remember the words of Psalm 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's revealed word given to us in the Scriptures touches people like you and me so that the darkness flees and the light of Christ comes to us. His light becomes our light. And that's why it's so important for for you to be in the Word of God, that you have a, a time every day where you spend time with Him and His Word and you talk to Him in prayer, that you meet somewhere in small groups or in a Bible study with other Christians so that you can be encouraged and built up So that you and your family are regular in worship like you are today. Praise God because it's the light of Jesus that is shining into you today and through you. And it causes us to think about what areas in our life might there be darkness where the light of Jesus has to remove. Is there an area, is there there a place in your life where the light of Jesus and His love needs to shine into you today? for you are light in the Lord. Is there someone or some situation that this week you, you can plan with God's help to bring His light into and so imitate Him? Because He's going to rub off on you, Jesus is. Years ago, the National Association of Religious Broadcasters held their convention in Washington, D.C. The President of the United States showed up and delivered a glorious speech. And in his speech, he told the Christians there exactly what they wanted to hear. And the president ended his talk by quoting John three sixteen. You know it, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And at that, the entire convention leaped to their feet And they screamed and yelled in applause for the president. This lasted for more than five minutes, even after the president was out of the building. Well, the next speaker came to the podium. His name was Charles Colson, a man who knew both the seductions and the limitations of political power and who had been convicted in the Watergate scandal. Chuck Colson said to the group that he was so happy to hear the president confess his faith in Jesus Christ in the confession of John three sixteen, But then he got quiet and he said, but we must remember that the kingdom of God will not arrive on Air Force One. It will only arrive when Jesus Christ comes. But until that day, it will only arrive to the extent that the people of God and all who bear the name of Jesus are willing to live their lives as imitators of Christ. Is Jesus rubbing off on you? One of the nighttime prayers that uh, my wife and I taught our children, and it's one that we still say today, it's from the hymn, Now the Light Has Gone Away, and it goes like this, and I'd like for this to be our closing prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, Savior, wash away all that has been wrong today. Help me every day to be kind and gentle, more like thee. Amen.